Hey there, bold girl. You're about to hear something incredible. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Janelle with the message. Hey, girlies. I love you meeting and mingling. We could probably do that all night, huh? It's so good to see you. Welcome to our second bold of 2019. I'm so happy y'all came back. I didn't know you were going to come back. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But I am happy that you came back. Um, I'm happy that you're hungry and that you um, get what God is doing in this place. And so welcome back, all of you. And to those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Heard some really cool stories of women, because we've been sold out for a while, and then tickets started becoming available, of women who got... um, invited just like randomly met somebody and started talking and like they ended up coming tonight and so this is going to be a powerful night there's going to be a lot of god appointments divine appointments in this place now how awesome was dustin let's give it up for dustin palm 91 our beautiful photo wall um one thing he forgot to mention was when palm 91 opens because it hasn't opened yet but it's opening april 3rd and y'all i really hope that you will go and take advantage of it grab your girlfriends get dressed up the installations are beautiful um it's really fun and it's so nice downtown it's just fun to go out and and do that and it's such a good um what's the word like there's so much value to what he's doing, right? It's more than just like a night out with a the girlfriend. There's value to what he's doing, what he's been through. The fact that just a year and a couple months after a terrible tragedy, he's up here in front of women encouraging that he's, you know, God's birthed this new thing in him. It's really powerful. And it means a lot to me because our church started in his home and Shay was um, one of my best friends. It means a lot to me that even though Palm 91 didn't start in the church, that it kind of got its first exposure here in the church. I love how God does those kinds of things, right? It's powerful. Um, was there any, yes, one more thing I wanted to say. Can we give it up for Jess and Deb with a spoken word? So, so good. I just love that they had to memorize all that scripture. Made my little pastor heart so happy. Um, they did so well and it was so powerful and I love you girls. Thank you for being brave and bold and doing that because that's scary. Awesome. Amadi, I saw you during worship. I'm going to cry. I've been crying all day, by the way, so I don't know what's about to happen. Um, But I saw you during worship, and I just think that God is doing such a big work in you. And I just want to encourage you to keep yielding to the Holy Spirit. Keep yielding to the Holy Spirit because he's doing something in you right now. And whenever you feel him nudging you to something, you just say yes, and you do it. And you just wait and see what God will bring out of your life. It's going to be powerful. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, give her a hand. All right. Well, here we go. The last time we gathered, I shared my testimony. I got to share my testimony. I felt really strongly that the Lord wanted me to share just how I came to Christ and what that journey was like for me. And um, I shared about how um, I, you know, walked in some darkness for some years. And after I came to the Lord, I really struggled with cycles of 
of shame and guilt. And um, the podcast is up on our Grace Avenue website. If you didn't hear it, I don't have time to go back into that story. Um, But I felt like the Lord wanted me to pick up where I left off last time. And so I shared how um, I was going through cycles of shame and guilt, shame and guilt, because when I was in my uh, 16 and 17, I had two abortions. And after I came to the Lord, I um, felt really guilty about what I had done and really sorrowful and I couldn't seem to um, get out of that cycle. I would be, I would feel guilty. I would feel shamed. I would feel forgiven. And then it would start all over again. And it just went on for like three or four years where I just couldn't seem to get free. And finally, one night I shared how I was reading the word and I was reading Isaiah 53, where it says that surely God has borne our sorrows and our pains of punishment, that God has taken all of our sin and that he has forgiven us. And all of a sudden, like the light bulb went on and I received that forgiveness and that cycle of shame and guilt was broken in my life. Um, and, you know, moments like that are powerful. And if you've walked with God for any amount of time, you've probably experienced a moment like that. There are moments where he just comes and he just does what we call like a suddenly. He just breaks something off. He sets you free. He speaks a word of identity to you. He changes your direction. He changes your course. And moments like that are really powerful. But moments like that do not build a life with God. Moments like that are just part of the process. And that's why I really felt like we were supposed to talk about that process today and what that process looks like. Because I saw, like, we had a lot of women up here. We prayed for so many women. It was incredible. And women got set free. And women got delivered from things and and they were able to let go of things but it's not over there you can't stop there there's more and so I really felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about um he gave me a a passage of scripture and like I've never been more sure that that's what we're supposed to talk about today so I pray that it um that the Holy Spirit speaks to you as I'm speaking and you see where you find yourself um in this story Um, But, you know, the morning after I had that encounter with the Lord, I had a choice to make. The morning after I had a choice to make. Was I going to believe that something had actually happened? Was I going to believe that God had actually delivered me? Was I going to believe that I was actually different? Or was I going to sink right back into those old cycles? Because just because he had done a work didn't mean that I didn't have to choose to partner with what he was doing. And so um, I want to read to you Colossians 2.7. Um, And this is a scripture that I felt God gave me for this year for the women of our church. Um, And I didn't even get to it last time, but we will be talking about it all year. And this is like, this is the scripture's goals. This is the dream. This is like, if you want to know what is God's purpose for my life, what is God's will for my life, this is it. Colossians 2, 7, it says, Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught. So the Holy Spirit through the scripture is saying that we're supposed to have our roots, the roots of our being, firmly and deeply planted in Jesus, fixed and founded on him, and that as we do that, our lives are going to be continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established. And when I, th- when I hear those verses, I think we all want that. We all, well, maybe not all of us, but many of us want that. We all want the life that's built up. We all want the marriage that's built up. We all want the relationships that are built up, that are established. We want our, our mind, we want our emotions to be built up and established, secure. We want them rooted and grounded in something. Um, 
so we, I just want to talk to you about what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we plant our roots um, firmly into Jesus? How does that happen? Because that's what I'm talking about, that there are moments with God, but that's not how we get our root system into God. Does that make sense? Are you, follow, are you with me? Okay, good. Um, so tonight I want to jump into a parable taught by Jesus. And if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a story, um, and Jesus used them in the New Testament when he was um, ministering to the thousands he would minister, and he used them with his disciples, and he would tell them stories about the kingdom of God so that they could understand the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God doesn't operate like this system does, right? And so he would come and he would say, the kingdom of God is like this. So this is one of the parables, and I'm going to read you the first portion, and then we're going to break it down, Okay. So we're going to um, pick it up in Mark 4, and this is actually called the parable of the sower or the parable of the seeds. Um, so Jesus says, he's talking to a whole bunch of people, and he says, give attention to this. Okay, so it's, it's important. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind fell on the ground full of rocks where it had not much soil and at once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil and when the sun came up it was scorched and because it had not taken root it withered away other seed of the same kind fell among thorn plants and thistles grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated it and it yielded no grain and other seed of the same kind fell into good well-adapted soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding up to 30 times as much, 60 times as much, and even 100 times as much as had been sown. So the disciples were like really confused after that. I don't know if y'all are confused, but it's like, what does that have to do with uh, the Christian walk? Um, Because he was saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this and your walk is going to be like this. So we understand, I love, I use this amplified version because it makes it very clear that the seed was the same. The sower was the same. In this parable, Jesus is the sower. Uh, A sower is a farmer or a planter. So the farmer or the planter is scattering seed, and the seed is the same. It's even the same field that he's scattering it in, but the outcome is very different. We see three-fourths of the seeds don't even go on to do anything because of the condition of the soil. And so after everybody leaves, so he, Jesus would tell these parables to people and they would be like, I don't know what you're saying, Jesus. And then they would leave. And then the disciples would be like, we don't know what you're saying either. Can you explain it to us? Um, and so Jesus stopped and he explained it to his disciples. And this is what he said. It's going to be up on the screens. The sower sows the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. But when they hear it, Satan comes at once by force and he takes away the message which is sown in them. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive it and accept it and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they are immediately offended and they stumble and fall away. And the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, and then the cares, anxieties of the world, and the distractions of the age, and the pleasure and delight and false glamour, and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and chokes and suffocates the word, and it becomes fruitless. And lastly, 
There are those seeds sown on the good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept and welcome it, and it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 times as much. Okay, that was a lot of reading. But you're with me, right? Okay. Um, so Jesus explains there's a sower, there's seed. The seed is the word of God, the Bible. The seed is the same. We know that the Bible says that it is powerful. It is active. Daniel actually started preaching my message when he got up here, and he's not a, a, going to be invited to do any more welcomes because he stirred up rivalry with sports teams, and I did not ask you to do that. <laughs> um, so anyway, he started preaching it. He's saying the word is active. It's alive. It's powerful, right? We know that is the word of God. The word is able to do incredible, immeasurable things, but this word is falling and it is producing nothing. And so how does that happen? How does that happen that in the life of one girl, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold, and in the life of another girl, it produces nothing? That's what we're going to look at right now. Jesus is telling us that there's a struggle. There's a struggle. There's opposition. The first thing he says is that the enemy comes and he steals it by force. You know, the enemy, the devil, Sometimes we don't talk about the devil in church very often. He's not like the little red guy on your shoulder tempting you to eat the cookie or, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what you're tempted by. I guess that's what I'm tempted by. But, um, <laughs> but um, he's our enemy. The Bible says that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is our adversary. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes and he opposes the word taking root in our lives. And so that is why it's hard. People ask, why is my walk so hard? Why is this not working for me? Why, why isn't it happening for me like it's happening for other people? Or even like I thought it would happen because you're being opposed. And Jesus tells us right away, this is what's going to happen. Um, this is why you can hear an amazing message on Sunday and feel like God spoke directly to you and directly to your situation. And by Wednesday, you don't even remember it or you doubt it was for you in the first place, right? This is why your friends can speak life over you. They can pray over you. They can encourage you. And 30 minutes later, you don't believe a word they said and you're back in the dumps or back to whatever you were struggling with in the first place. This is why we can encounter God in worship and we can have a powerful moment and we can sense his presence and we can receive his love. And then the next day it's over. God doesn't love us. We're back in the dumps because the seed is coming and it's being stolen from us. It's being opposed in our life. It's not taking root. So our hearts are the key. And sometimes we think that God is failing us or God is withholding from us or this just doesn't work. I hear that sometimes. This just doesn't work. It does work, but we have to participate. And that's the next step. And so I wrestled with this message a lot because I don't want you to put, I don't want to put you under works. I don't want to put you under the law. I don't want to make you think that you have to work for God or work to gain your salvation. But this isn't about your salvation. This is about your sanctification. That's a big word. But what that really means is that that process by which Jesus is making you holy, by which Jesus is making you like him. And it takes our participation. And you know what? It takes as long as we make it take. It's up to us. It can take somebody one year to just really, not to be, you know, perfectly holy or whatever, but, you know, to really grow, to really let go of things, to really move forward. And it can take somebody 20 years. They can both be sitting in the same church. They're hearing the same word. It's being sown into their hearts, but it's taking root in one and not in the other. And so we're going to talk about why. Why does that happen? 
when we want to grow and we want to have that life that God promised us, why is it so difficult? So we're going to break down the parable. And the very first thing that Jesus does is he, it's like a spoiler alert. Like, I feel like he's so, like, so kind in this parable because he's like, I'm going to tell you what the enemy is going to do before he does it so that you don't fall for it, right? But sometimes we fall for it anyway, but we have to pay attention to this because he says the enemy comes and he has three strategies. He's going to try to steal the word from us. He's going to try to make us stumble over the word, or he's going to stifle, choke out that word in us. And let's look at it a little bit more in depth. The first thing he does is he comes to steal. In Mark 15, he says, um, the ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. But when they hear Satan comes at once and by force, he takes away the message which is sown in them. Okay, so he's talking about the path. Um, he says, sown along the path. So the, the sower comes, he's got the seed, he's got the word, he, he throws the seed, and some of it falls on the path. And the path, there, was, there would be fields, and the farmers would um, have their fields next to each other, and they didn't want to step on the crop that was growing, so there were paths, and all the farmers walked the paths. So there would be like a trail, and this path was walked on by lots of people over and over and over again. That's all it was for. It wasn't fertilized, it wasn't plowed, it wasn't watered, so it became hardened and compacted. And so the seed would never even have a chance to get down in there. And so this type of heart, because we know the soils are the heart, is a heart that's worn down and has become hard through life, through difficulties, through disappointments, maybe through trauma, maybe through abuse. Um, you know, maybe I think one of the biggest things is disappointment because life is hard. And we go through things and we become hard because life is hard. And um, the enemy comes immediately and snatches that up and it's gone. Never had a chance to take root. You heard the word. You maybe even agreed with it, but it's just gone. It's taken from you. The next um, thing he does is he'll cause us to stumble. So, and in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, they once, they once receive it and accept it, and they welcome it with joy, but they don't have any root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. And then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they're immediately offended, and they stumble and fall away. This one breaks my heart, because I see this one happen in church every couple months. I'll see a girl. I'm so excited. Like, she came, she came in hurt and broken, and all of a sudden, she is changed and transformed, and she's excited, and she's crying in worship, and she's, like, receiving all this life change, and God is doing so much in her life, and then all of a sudden, I don't see her anymore. And we'll follow up. We'll try to find out what happened, and it's things got hard. She, loved, she wanted to love the Lord, but her boyfriend didn't want to come to church, or her husband didn't want to come to church, or she lost her job, or the kids started acting like life happened, pressure happened, or she started to read the word, and she realized that it was going to cost something to follow Jesus. It says we become offended by the word. She might have read that she had to forgive her enemies, and she was like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I think we all have that first impulse to be like, I don't think I can do that. Um, but, you know, or hearing that she had to submit to authority or hearing that she had to be generous or th hearing that she had to, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, 
interesting how many things can bring offense to our heart because we don't want to do what the word says. I told you, I really felt like God told me to (laughs) preach this tonight. So um, I'm praying that it's going to produce a a harvest in you. I know it's a little hard. Um, And I I think this doesn't just happen, this, this pressure, this opposition, it doesn't just happen like to a new believer. It happens to those of us that have been walking with the Lord for a while. I remember the first time um, Daniel and I, we'd been married for a few years. I was pregnant with Viv, and we got um, asked to step, step into ministry. Somebody wanted us to start a ministry. We're going to start a young adults ministry at our church. And we were excited. We knew it was the Lord. We knew this was the next step for us. And so we said yes. And the week um, that we were launching it, I, I think I was like eight months pregnant with Viv. I was going to work. We both worked full time. And um, it rained all week that week. And I remember I was going to work, and I got hit. I got into a car accident. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad. But because I was pregnant, I had to go to the hospital. They hook you up to the machines. They had to check the baby. Like, wasted day. Like, the whole day was gone, right? And Daniel had just started a new job as well. And so he had, of course, he came because I was in the hospital, and he wanted to make sure that I was okay. So we're like, okay, well, that was, that was rough, but fine. Um, go to work on Tuesday, driving to work on Wednesday, I get hit again. Um, I swear to God, I got hit. Like, I kept telling Daniel, these are not my fault. I am a good driver. Um, (laughs) Some people may contest that, but I promise you that I got hit. So I I got hit from behind. Um, It was super rainy, again, with, you know, the doctor and the hooking it up. You don't want to take chances with that kind of stuff, right? So I called him. He's at a new job. He tells his boss, my wife's in an accident again. I need to go to the hospital to be with her. And so everything was fine. Um, went home. And we had just moved into a new house, um, like newly built. And we went home. It had been raining all week. And the windows hadn't been installed properly. So our house was flooded. Like everything was flooded. It wasn't like huge, but it was just like a mess at the windows. The window sills needed to be replaced. The windows needed to be replaced. We had to call and figure that out. Just hassle, right? You know when you have those hassles that you're like, you're dealing with entrances for two wrecks and now the windows. So I think that was like on Wednesday, went to work on Thursday, went to work on Friday, and on the way home, somebody hit me again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> now you don't believe that I'm a good driver. But that hasn't happened in a long time. But I was just like, so I, we told our pastors, we're like, I, we don't know what's going on. Like, what's going on? Like, we can't, like, he, you know, he was going to lose his job. They were like, yeah, right, your wife's been in a wreck again. <laughs> um, and so pressure stress. And I remember telling, we told our pastors what was happening, and I remember they laughed at us. And they laughed at us, and they said, welcome to ministry. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) You didn't tell me about this? And, you know, I got a little offended that they laughed. I was like, you're supposed to be my pastors. You're supposed to pray for me. I got all high maintenance for a minute, but I was just like, wait a minute. This is what it's like? I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I had that moment where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, God. I'm having a baby. I'm, you know, I want to focus on that. I, I don't, I didn't know I was signing up for that kind of pressure. And I had a real moment where I was tempted to just stop, even though I knew God had told me to do it. I just was like, I didn't know I was signing up to have a, like a, be a moving target for the enemy. But that is what it's like sometimes. 
And, you know, my pastors didn't do anything wrong. They couldn't shield me from it. I had to grow through it, and I had to make that choice for myself. Yeah, I'm going to follow you, God, anyway. You told me to go here. Just because you tell me to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Whoever told us that was, was lying to us. You know, opposition doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. A lot of times it means you're right where you're supposed to be because we have an enemy who comes to oppose us and tries to steal the word from us, and he's trying to make us fruitless. You know, even after we give our souls to God, there's still a war going on for our minds. The Bible says the battle's in our minds and for our fruitfulness. And he will never stop trying to take that from us and trying to make us, if, if we're going to be 60, he'll try to make us 30. If we're going to be 30, he'll try to make us zero. If we're going to be 100, I don't even know how that happens. We're going to talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. But, um, and, and I see it happen here. When we put leaders in position, all of a sudden, all hell starts breaking loose. And I try not to laugh and say, welcome to ministry. Sometimes I'm tempted because I'm like, now it's your turn. But, um, but I can't shield them from it. They have to decide that it's worth it to them and that they want to keep growing. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But I don't have any control over that. Okay, so the third thing he wants to do is he wants to stifle the word. And I mean, I think all of us fall victim to this more often than we think. It says, and the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. And then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and cravings and passionate desires for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. So if he can't outright steal it from us, if he can't cause us to stumble over it, he'll just try to choke it out and distract us from it. He'll try to lure us away from the word, from following Jesus, from building our life in him, from rooting ourselves in him. It says, turn our hearts towards false glamour. I mean, hello, social media. I don't know what social media is if it's not just false glamour, <laughs> if it's not just everybody pretending to have more than they do, be happier than they really are. And there we are scrolling. I mean, I do it too. Don't, I'm like right there with you if you do it. Um, but money, things, he tries to fill our minds with anxiety, with worry. He tries to get us to a place where even though we love God and we know he's called us to something, he strangles the courage out of us, surrounds us with fear doubt, anxiety, and we're paralyzed, and we can't go and do the things that he's called us to do. Satan wants to magnify the worries and problems in your life so he can stifle the production of God's word in your life. I saw how many people raise their hands when Dustin asked about anxiety and depression. I mean, it's at epidemic proportions right now. I think it's because we weren't created to live at this pace that we live at. We were created even to manage all the opportunities that we get because of social media, because of the digital age. We were created to handle all the news that we hear and that we know it's overwhelming to us. And that's why we need to get away from all of it, sit with God, open our word, spend time rehearsing the truth, reading the truth, rooting ourselves in Jesus. So those are the three things that the enemy will try to do. And then he talks about the, the fourth ground, the good ground, the good news, right? So he says, and those sown on the good, well-adapted soil 
are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept and welcome it and bear fruit, some 30, 60, and even 100 times as much. So I love what that says. It says these are the hearts that hear the word and they receive it, they accept it, and they welcome it. That's the difference. That's the difference between the soils. It's the heart that receives it, accepts it. It's a heart that says, I believe the word of God is the final authority on everything. I may not understand it all. I may not know it all, but I believe the word of God is truth. And when I hear the word, when I hear it preached to me, when I hear it in a worship song, when I hear the Holy Spirit's whisper, I'm going to submit to whatever it is that he's saying. And then the supernatural stuff happens, right? The magic stuff happens that we cannot explain, where all of a sudden we have a 30, 60, 100-fold return. Well, all of a sudden, when the anxiety comes and when the worry comes, we can fight it. We have something to say to it. We're not ruled by it anymore. When the storms of life come, we can stand. And people all around us are like, how are you standing? How are you handling this? How are you making it through? And it's, it's because it didn't happen in a moment, but it happened in the process of rooting ourselves, of reading, of saying yes to the Lord, of saying, yeah, your word over my feelings. Yeah, your word over my emotions. Yeah, if you tell me to forgive, I'm going to work it out with you. I'm going to work to forgive. If you tell me to let an offense go, I'm going to let it go. If you tell me to forgive my husband again, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a heart that doesn't just scroll through scripture like it's on Facebook, but actually does something with it. The Bible says there's a scripture, I don't know where it is, but it says um, that we're supposed to tremble at the word of God. We hear it all the time. We see it on social media. It's a memes. Like we can become very familiar with it. But it's the holy word of God that is active and alive. And when he speaks something to your spirit, you should write it down. You should take note of it. You should put it on your mirror. You should put it on your windshield. You should meditate on it. There's so much richness in just a sentence from him. He can speak identity to us in a moment. It's one of those moments, right, where he does something. You could chew on that for six months and get something out of it because that's how incredible he is. So God takes those little seeds that we've allowed to be deposited into good ground. And I love, and it, it bears fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I love the thought of that because that, what that's saying is, who needs a 100-fold return for themselves? Who even needs a 30-fold return for themselves? It's not about us. Yes, our lives will be stable and fixed and immovable and established and confirmed by the Lord. Yes, we'll have the lives that are not perfect, but that are growing in Christ, but we're going to have something to offer everybody else, right? The Bible says that we're supposed to be oaks of righteousness, bearing fruit in every season, right? And the fruit is not just for us. It's not just for our families. It's for the world that's dying around us, that we can offer the fruit of wisdom to somebody who needs it, that we can offer the fruit of peace to somebody that needs it, that we can offer the fruit of forgiveness, long-suffering, kindness, patience. Those things will be produced in you, and you will realize one day they're there, and you, like it's surprising sometimes <laughs> because God does it. That's the supernatural part, but you just have to be diligent to plant yourself in his word and to allow it to take root, and to meditate on it, and not to treat it as a casual thing that you hear, but to really grab a hold of it. Um, when the word of God is sown into our lives, and it's allowed to take root, its power is unstoppable, and it's a force that will move every obstacle out of the way. You know, some of you know my story, um, or parts of my story. 
couple years ago, this summer, it'll be two years, I was in the hospital for 51 days. I had a baby, and I got really sick after I had her. And um, when I woke up, I was like 60 pounds heavier because uh, my kidneys shut down, my liver shut down. I was like really, really swollen. And um, it took three weeks for my kidneys to start working again. Like I was so swollen that I couldn't, my legs were so big, I couldn't, I wasn't even strong enough to like move my own legs. That's how, imagine waking up like that. Do, do any of y'all have dreams that you're like running and your legs are really heavy and you can't raise your hand? So I know it's not just me. Okay, that's what it was. I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't move my legs. And so being in that state for three weeks, um, when I finally, all the fluid left and I was back to my normal self, I couldn't walk anymore. Like the muscle had atrophied as well. And so I couldn't walk. I was very, very weak. And on top of everything, um, the doctors never were able to find out why. The only thing they told me was that my central nervous system was shot, but I, I was very shaky. So... You know how you feel like when you've had too much coffee and you haven't eaten and you're just kind of like this or like an adrenaline rush where you can't, like I couldn't even text because my hands were like so unstable. So I was learning to walk and I was shaky all the time. So even when I would try to rest, I was just kind of like in this state of like adrenaline flowing through my body. And um, probably around day 30, 35, I started getting fed up, right? Started getting tired of it. And I started feeling depressed and just like the doctors would come in and tell me they didn't know how much longer. My baby was in another hospital. I hadn't even met her yet. And um, I remember Daniel came in and he gave me a scripture. It's 1 Peter 5.10. And it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I don't think I had ever even read that scripture. I had never paid attention to it, but that scripture became life to me. It was a seed when it was given to me, but I meditated on that scripture. I read that scripture. I said it every day. It showed me that after you have suffered a little while, I was like, okay, God, this is not going to last forever. The, there will be an end point to this. And then it says that God of all grace will himself restore you. It's like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to have to do this. I'm too weak. I can't walk. I can't stop the shaking. Nobody knows what to do. And it says he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I took that literally, like you are going to establish me. I'm going to be able to walk and I'm going to be able to be strong. And I'm going to, because it would be like, you know, I was learning to walk again, like a toddler and anything would knock me over. Um, there were people just like following me around trying to, in case I fell. I remember when I came to church the first time after I got out of the hospital, I almost like, I was just standing up. I was still really weak and I just started like falling. <laughs> and I remember like everybody in the second row, like went and grabbed me and I was like, but at least I was here, right? And I took that scripture and I just, I meditated on it. I believed it. By the, by the time I was getting out, there was not a shadow of doubt in my mind that God was going to restore me, that I was going to be just the same as I had been before, that he was going to heal me completely. And he did. That scripture pulled me through the hardest parts of the trial. And... I just wanted to share that story with you to show you how to use the word, 
how to apply the word, how to grab hold of the word, how to not let it go. Because that was a choice I made. He could have told me that and I could have been like, whatever, this sucks, right? Or I could have been like, okay, great, you know. But I took it and I rehearsed it and I meditated it and I prayed it and I thanked God for it like it had already happened. And some of you need to learn to do the same thing. This is the difference between just coming to church and hearing a message and real life change. This is the difference between a casual walk with the Lord and a life that bears fruit. That, you know, the, the incredible part, he doesn't tell us how we um, bear 30, 60, and 100. Well, that's, that part's up to him. He just promises us that if we have that receptive heart, we will bear fruit. You don't know. You could be a hundredfold person. You don't know what God wants to do through your life, but you have to open up your heart. You have to survey the land. You have to see. Is there some hard ground in there? There's some rocks in there, some things you're stumbling over, some stuff growing up that needs to be pulled out that's choking out the word of God. No, I don't believe that the condition of our heart is predetermined. Like, you you just get hard ground and she gets good ground. I don't believe it's like that. I don't believe the Bible says that. I believe the Bible says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. That's a prayer that we can pray. And I don't believe this is only for new believers. I believe that no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you need to take a survey and see where you're at because you can have good soil in some places and really hard soil in other places where you've been disappointed, where you're no longer believing the promises of God in a certain area. And so um, tonight, I just want to take a moment in the presence of the Lord. Last time we had a prayer team up here and we're not going to do that this time, but... I just want to take a moment and the team is going to play and I really wanted y'all to pray for each other because that way everybody gets prayed for and if you feel nervous or uncomfortable nobody's going to force you to do anything okay but if you don't mind just getting in groups of two or three just pray for each other whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is stirring up in you right now pray about it if you feel like you've got that hard ground, if you feel like you have that stony ground, if you feel like there's areas of, in your life where you're not believing God anymore, where you're not receiving his word, you're not receptive, you're not welcoming it, just pray about it. Ask the Lord to give you a soft heart again, a heart that's receptive. And so let me just invite y'all to stand up. You know, the Spirit of God is in this place, and we've done this before where we've just gotten in groups and prayed, and the stories have been incredible just because God planned who you would sit next to, and God knows what you need. And so we're sisters. We're building a community here that's for each other. Um, you don't need me to pray for you. You don't need a, a prayer team person to pray for you. You can pray for each other, and God will answer your prayers, and God will heal you and hear you. So just take a few minutes and go for it. Don't be shy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned to our social media accounts or head to graceavenuechurch.com for future bold events. And remember, we are everyday girls empowered to live on mission.